100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Tonight I want to share on the subject of a glad heart, a thankful heart, or serving the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart. There's been some things that I've gone through in my personal life recently that I have been renewed in my heart and in the condition of my heart concerning my personal relationship with the Lord. And then we've gone through some things corporately together that has helped renew some things in my heart. And one of the things that God did in my life years ago was teach me to have a thankful heart. How that in everything I am to give thanks. And that there's something to praising God and there's a power in praising God individually and corporately. And that there is a, a power in worshiping God. And that power can be released individually as you worship God with your life and, and all that He means to you and is done in your life. And then when a corporate body worships God, there's a power that's released. And then there is something that happens when we thank God, when we have a thankful heart, when we give God thanks. And I have rediscovered, because of recent history and the challenges I've faced, the importance of a, of a thankful heart before God and the power of it. And then corporately, I have discovered and even rediscovered the power of a thankful heart. There's some things that I've learned over the past few months that I didn't know, but I was operating in because I was operating out of obedience, just a love for God. I was thanking God and maintaining and in some instances obtaining a thankful heart because the Bible says that's how you enter God's presence. I was just doing it out of obedience. You know, when you love somebody, and that means God too, you do a lot of things that you fully don't understand, but because you love somebody, you obey. You respond. Well, my walk with God is no different than your walk with God. I love the Lord and you love the Lord. So there's a lot of times we're obeying God just out of our love. We really don't understand the mechanics and all that's going on. Well, Thanksgiving was that way in my life. I knew there was a distinct difference between praising God, worshiping God, and giving God thanks. And I knew what the Word said and I was operating in those things. But recently, God has given me revelation, understanding, insight to what happens when you serve God out of gladness of heart, when you obtain or maintain a thankful heart or give God thanks in everything. There is something happening there that I'm going to share with you tonight that I believe is going to change your life. I believe it's going to have an impact. Now, some of the things I'm going to share tonight, because this is what's on my heart, I have shared, so I'm not going to spend any time on it or get into it in detail. But I will get to some things that you think you know what I'm going to say that I want to challenge you before I even get there to keep your heart open, keep an open ear, a listening ear, an attentive ear, an eye to see so that you can have this impact your life even as it is even to this day impacting my life. Let me divide for you and show you some things about the difference between praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Notice here in Psalms 100, we've got all these different things said about entering God's presence. He said, make a joyful noise. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with singing. Give Him thanks. Or with thanksgiving we enter His presence. Then He talked about praise and then He talked about blessing His name. If you'll study the Scriptures, you'll find that the Word of God in one sense uses praise and rejoicing and singing and worship all interchangeably, but then there are scriptures that distinctly separate those acts of entering God's presence. And so you need to know somewhat of the difference between praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Again, because of some of the things that many of you are facing, you're making a whole lot of noise, but I ain't sure if it's a joyful noise. Amen. We, we serve the Lord. I know some of you are going to serve the Lord no matter what, but the Bible teaches you ought to serve Him with gladness of heart. It ain't enough just to serve Him. That's better than nothing at all. But you're supposed to serve Him with gladness. That's a condition of the heart. Of the heart. And God delights in us praising Him, in us worshiping Him, and in us learning how and why to give Him thanks. All right, praise, praise is our response to the redemptive works of God, our response to the acts of God. We praise God, and if you'll look up praise in a concordance and scriptures on praise, you'll find that they praise the Lord because He did this and because He did that. And your praise is your faith in action. Praise and all the different forms of praise are faith in action or us acting on our faith. And really, it should be easy to praise the Lord. That's not a problem in this house. That's never been a problem in this church. It's never been a problem with my sphere and direct sphere of influence and those that are close to me. We pretty well spontaneously in this house know how to praise God. And there's power to praise. And I did some teaching on the effects of praise and the power of praise and how that things literally physically happen in our world when we praise God. But even a sinner at large can praise God if he sees a redemptive act of God. You know, if we pray with a sinner and God answers the prayer of a sinner and he gets a job, even a sinner can praise God for a job. Even a sinner, when he sees the redemptive acts of God or answer to prayer, can offer praise. God wants us to be more than just a people of praise, though praise is important. Praise simply deals with the redemptive acts of God. You know, if we started giving testimonies, of what God has done in our lives or a miracle of a healing. And I've seen some miraculous things recently and I'm going to be praying for people tonight because I enjoy praying and seeing miracles in people's lives. That, that lights my fire. And I've seen a lot of miracles recently in the ministry and in the traveling that I've been doing. And so I'm just in that flow and I want to make sure I pray for people tonight personally. And so... I'm going to wind up praising God down the road once I get the report back of a supernatural healing or a marriage restored or a child came home or a job was open for you. I'm going to praise God. And so praising God is simple for me because I've got the redemptive acts of God going on all around me all the time. It's my life. It's my life. So praise is my response to the redemptive works of God. The redemptive works of God... 2,000 years ago in Jesus, I can praise God about that every time I hear about it. And then the redemptive works of God's grace happening all around me every day. Worship is quite a bit different than praise. Worship comes out of your revelation of who God is. Now what God does, praise and spontaneous praise is the response to what God does. 
If all of a sudden somebody was just miraculously healed in this place right, right, right now and just popped up, just jumped up and said, I had pain and, and it's all gone. Well, praise would break out. That's a response of your faith to a redemptive act of God. But see, worship is quite a bit different than praise. Worship is your response to the person of God, the nature of God. You cannot worship God beyond your revelation of God. You can praise God just knowing about Him. But you can only worship God in proportion to your direct personal knowledge of God. And your worship, my worship, goes far beyond this house here tonight. It goes far beyond singing. It goes beyond music. Even though we worship God in our service and we worship God and we enter God's presence corporately with a worship team, I'm worshiping God right now. This is my worship of God. What do I mean by that? I'm not just preaching. I'm not just teaching. I'm not just philosophizing. I am sharing out of my relationship with God. I am sharing out of what I know to be true of God and that He is placed in my heart. And so my ministering right now is my celebration of who my God is in my life and through my life. So this is a form of worship right now. If you're doing what you were created to do and you're celebrating life in union with God, that's a form of worship, of worship to God. Worship is faith's reverence. Worship is our reverence of the presence of God and the person of God. Worship can be demonstrated by lying down prostrate on... Did I get that right? Yeah, there's another word. I didn't want to mess it up. Uh, I just messed it up. Prostrate before God. That could be worship. Worship could be in a dance. Worship could be in running. Worship could be in getting up in the morning and going to work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's worshiping God. That's what you were created for. You're celebrating life. And everything you're doing is coming out of your relationship and knowing of who God is. Not about God, but who He is to you and what He's doing in your heart and in your life. And so worship takes on a whole different form and its effect is profound in the earth today. But thanksgiving is distinctly different and serving God with thanksgiving and giving God thanks is different than praise and it's different than worship. Your thanksgiving, listen, is the mental disposition that you have in this life. When you serve God with thanksgiving, there's more to thanksgiving and serving God with thanksgiving than just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't misunderstand me. It is appropriate, accurate, and right to say to God in your personal lives, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, in this. I thank you for that. But listen, there's more to thanksgiving than just words and saying words, just like there's more to praying in the name of Jesus than just saying at the end of your prayer the name of Jesus. Does everybody understand that? When you pray in the name of Jesus, that doesn't mean that you tag on the end of your prayer in the name of Jesus and you have prayed that prayer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus encompasses a whole lot more than just saying it. It encompasses submission to God. It encompasses I'm under commission and commandment by God. I'm under the authority of the Lord. I'm doing this in His name as His representative. It's His will, not my will. It's His way, not my way. All that makes up the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? Well, so it is in thanksgiving. There's more to giving God thanks and having a heart of thanksgiving than just saying the words, thank you, Lord. Your thanksgiving and serving God with thanksgiving is your new 
mental disposition. It's how you perceive your life. It's how you perceive the challenges of life. Part of serving God with a thankful heart is faith's hope. The hope that works with my faith is my thanksgiving to God. In other words, when I have a problem, am I the only one that has had a problem lately? Surely I'm not the only one that's had a problem. Surely I'm not the only one with challenges. Surely I'm not the only one that didn't factor in certain things that happened in my life and it wasn't on my schedule. You know, I don't remember scheduling for the church to burn down. Can I get a witness? I don't remember that being in my busy schedule. Now, if I'm going to serve God with thanksgiving... I have to be renewed in my mental disposition. And how am I going to view my problem? Am I going to view my problem in the light of God's faithfulness to me? Am I going to view my problem in the light of His Word? Am I going to view my problem in the light of God Almighty working in my life and through my life and that in the end I'm going to win? See, your thanksgiving and a thankful heart is you believing that no matter what happens to you, what problem you have, it's going to be worked together for your good because you love God and you're called according to His purpose. So I look at this problem different than the world looks at it. The world is an eternal pessimist. You should be an eternal optimist as a child of God. That's serving God with a thankful heart. That's serving God with a thankful heart. It's your perspective of life. I'm going to say it again. It's your perspective of life. Now, some people are naturally born with a personality that it's easier for them to see that the glass is half full. And some folk are born. I'll give this to you. They're born in the flesh, and they're in the flesh, and it's easier for them and natural for them to always see the glass half empty. But guess what? Everybody in here has been born again. You've been born over and now you must be renewed in your perspective and you must look at everything in your life through the eyes of God's word, through the eyes of God's blessings, through the eyes of God's promise. So no matter what happens, you're able to obtain or maintain a thankful heart because I'm choosing to be positive about this. I'm choosing to see beyond the natural circumstances and just the mountain and I'm going to be focused on the God of my mountains and as I'm focused on the God of my mountains, my mountains get smaller and smaller and smaller and I overcome them. But the world and those who aren't disciplined and trained in the Word of God and don't know how to serve God with a thankful heart, they just look at their problems and look at their problems and the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And God gets smaller and smaller and smaller and the mountains of your life just crumble over on top of you. When you serve God with a thankful heart, you're making a choice to see God working in all things. You see God with you through all things. You see God for you in all things. Doesn't matter what happens to you. A thankful heart and serving God with a glad heart chooses to see the good instead of the bad. Listen, your thanksgiving is how you think, how you think. And I'm teaching you on Sunday morning about what to think on. And we're dealing with fear and worry and anxiety and stress, those things that destroy our health, our homes, our careers, our lives. And I'm dealing specifically with what you think on. But you know what? You and I, as the people of God, are not only commanded to watch what we think on, listen, we are also commanded to be renewed in how we think, how we see, how we diagnose things in our lives. And yet people just seem to want to excuse away their attitudes, their mental disposition, and think that their faith is going to move a mountain or their, their faith is going to work, but they refuse to look at the problem through the eyes of hope, 
through the eyes of God's Word, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Because when you look at any challenge in this life through the eyes of the Word of God and through the eyes of the Holy Spirit and through the eyes of God's blessings and through the eyes of God's promises, you're going to be optimistic about that thing. You're going to have a thankful heart in all things. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, a familiar passage, but I want you to see it before I really get to what God's taught me about a thankful heart and what happens when you obtain and maintain a thankful heart in all things and what happens when you're unthankful. Do you know anybody unthankful? Do you know anybody ungrateful? Claim to know God, claim to be heaven bound, and yet they're ungrateful, they're unthankful, and there are consequences that come into our life because of an unthankful heart. Just like there's positive consequences that begin to happen in your life when you obtain and maintain a thankful heart, perspective. How are you going to view your challenges? How are you going to view your life? Through the eyes of the world and the ways of the world or through the eyes of God and the Word of God? I want to read a quick story to you about perspective here. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went camping. After a wonderful evening and a good meal, they turned in for the night. Some hours later, Holmes woke up and nudged his faithful friend Watson. Watson! Look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson said, I see millions of stars. What does that tell you, Sherlock asked. He pondered for a moment and said, Astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, that the time is approximately a quarter past 3 a.m. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and we are but an insignificant part of things. Meteorologically, I suspect we'll have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you? Sherlock was silent for a moment. Watson, you idiot, someone stole our tent. <laughs> How many of you know we have different perspective of things? We can see things differently depending on our upbringing, depending on our religious backgrounds, depending on our personalities. We can all tend to see things totally different than someone else saw it. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about personality. I'm not talking about the diversity that God instilled on the inside of all of us that is unique, makes you special, and makes a way for you in this world. I'm talking about as New Testament believers, as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth, we have been born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. We have God's Word. We have God's promises. And no matter what comes into our life, God has addressed that thing, and we all have to make the choice, how am I going to think about this? How am I going to relate to this? Am I going to be unthankful and ungrateful? The Word speaks into that and what's going to happen in your life. Or am I going to be thankful, grateful, and still serve God and maintain and obtain a thankful heart? The Word has something to say about what will happen if you will obtain or maintain a thankful heart before God. A thankful heart before God. This chapter here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is one of my favorite passages, and I quote it a lot, and we've turned to it, but there's always new people, and we need to see what it says. We need to look at it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Now, why would anybody argue with me about what I'm preaching and teaching and try to cop out with personality, religious background, or we just don't do that kind of thing down here? The Scriptures were written to all of us, not pockets of us, and the Scriptures say rejoice evermore. Even if you read it backwards, you still get it right. Amen? And yet, why won't we act on it? Why do we think we have a unique plight in life and we have a right to be ungrateful? We have a right to be unthankful. 
We have a right to still serve God, but not with gladness of heart. I got problems. Hallelujah. Do I help anybody? Do y'all just come because you ain't got nowhere to go or what? You know? It's like, tell me I'm helping somebody. Look at the next verse. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now listen, whatever you're going through may not be God's will. There's things that happen to all of us that are not God's will. And there's answers to that. We don't know them all. We know some of them. And we don't have time to address them here tonight. But there's a lot of things that happen to us that are not necessarily God's will. We find ourselves in places many times, if we're honest, that we're not in God's will. And we know we're not in God's will. And so we need to understand that he said, no matter where you are, what you are, no matter what's happening to you, what you're going through, or in some cases going through you, you need to in everything give thanks. That's the Word of God, amen? That's a commandment. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will. Not necessarily what you are experiencing, but in it giving thanks is God's will for your life. Listen to me. This is a disciplined or a developed discipline in your life. How you view things and choosing to give God thanks in it is a developed discipline, a developed discipline. Many of us did have rough backgrounds. and Many of us got away with bad attitudes for 40 years. Many of us used to even get attention by grumbling, complaining, bellyaching, upset, ungrateful, unthankful, even in a humorous way, you know, just kidding around. You was raised that way. Well, listen. That is not beneficial for your walk with God and for your life. The scriptures teach that we have to be renewed in what we think on and now how we think if we want to go through a transformation. If we want to see the power of God in our lives, we want to see the presence of God working in our lives, we have to change not only what we think on but how we think. You can't keep thinking like the world and the way of the world. You can't keep looking at life through the eyes of doubt and unbelief and see the power of God. You can't do it. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, let me show you the revelation that through the fire that we experienced and then some personal things I've gone through, God showed me. Go to Romans chapter 1. Again, I have praised God my whole Christian life. I've entered dimensions of worship. I haven't arrived, but I worship the Lord. And then I have had a thankful heart, a grateful heart. I've maintained a grateful heart. I've kept worry out of my heart in the ministry, and things of that nature. But I've had to work at it. There's some times I don't feel like being positive. Am I all by myself? Am I the only one that's tempted? I mean like a, temp I mean like a temptation to sin to just be negative. Am I the only one that there's some problems in my life or in my corporate life that for a moment... It's hard to make the choice to see the good in it. It's so easy to see the bad. It's so easy to say, I don't need this. Thank you. I needed a little affirmation that I was still human and real and hadn't arrived or in a boat all by myself. This is a developed discipline in your life. You have to train yourself to see that glass half full sometimes because everything within you is saying, it's half empty and you know it's half empty and it's on the way down. In Romans chapter 1, we've talked about verse 16 and how the gospel is the power of God. And verse 17 talks about how that God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God 
is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the visible or invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now I've commented on this for years, so I won't spend any time here, but basically what that's saying is there's, there's no such thing as an atheist. Everybody knows there's a God. God has revealed Himself to everybody. Every atheist, and I've talked to a lot of them, every professed atheist I've ever met at one time, listen to me very carefully, every single one of them I've talked to at one time believed that there was a God, listen, but they either lost a loved one and God didn't intervene or they lost a child or they lost a job or they lost their home and God didn't answer their prayer. So they got mad at God. They got disappointed in God and then something happened to them that God said would happen to them that caused them to get to the point that they renounced the existence of God Himself. And that's serious. And that's serious. Watch what happened to these people who knew there was a God whom God revealed Himself to. Look at what they wouldn't do in the revelation of God, then look at the effects that happened in their lives. Watch this. Verse 21 says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. How many of you really want to get something from God tonight? Honestly. Are you ready? Are you open? These people knew there was a God, and number one, they wouldn't glorify Him as God. They wouldn't praise Him. They wouldn't worship Him. Number two, it says that they were unthankful. Now watch what happened to them when they wouldn't glorify God, and they became unthankful. It says they became vain in their imaginations. They became vain in their imaginations, and it says that their foolish hearts was darkened. Listen to me. Here's what God showed me. And it went off like a bomb on the inside of me. I looked at my life and my problems and why and how now I'm seeing God in them and I'm getting revelation and solutions. I looked at the churches and the hundreds of them I've been in throughout the country. I've looked at the four I've pastored and 100% this applied. God's word was true. When you aren't thankful, when something happens to you, and you aren't thankful in it. You don't give God thanks in it. A vain imagination starts taking off. And if you don't get a hold of it soon, your heart gets darkened. And you can get to a point that you get so vain in your imagination. God doesn't love me. God isn't with me. God doesn't care about me. God has favorites. Etc., etc. With vain imaginations. God didn't answer my prayer. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. You can get so vain in your imagination, you start losing revelation of God. But the opposite is true too. When something bad happens to you and you obtain and maintain a grateful heart, listen, when you obtain or maintain a thankful heart, in all things give thanks, listen, suddenly you're able to harness your thoughts easier and better. And there's no vain imagination that takes off and revelation starts coming to you in the problem on how to solve it, on how to get through it, and how God is working in your life. That's good. I thought about my life and all the problems I've had that 
Some of you have been here for 15 years, haven't heard a 16th of some of the things I've been through, and probably never will because it's old, it's old hash to me. It's water under the bridge, and the longer I live, the further down the creek it gets. I don't even want to think about it. All I know is I've seen me give thanks to God in everything and instead of the problem getting me, vain imaginations taking over. Those people don't like me. Those people are against me. Maybe I'm not called. Maybe I don't have the anointing. Maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm not in the will of God. Those are all vain imaginations and that stuff comes on you when you're in a problem and it's because you choose to not give God thanks. But when you choose in a problem to start to give God thanks, it's amazing how many answers come to you. It's amazing how your thoughts come under control, no vain imaginations. And it's amazing how revelation of God. I see God now. I hear God now. I get through it now. And everybody else just thinks, well, your problem wasn't as bad as my problem. No, my heart was better than your heart. I was giving God thanks in my challenges, in my problems, so no vain imaginations took me over. Darkness didn't take me over, and I got through it. You didn't give God thanks. You were unthankful. You didn't praise Him. You didn't glorify Him in it. You didn't obey Him. And He said, in everything give thanks. He didn't say that for His sake. He said that for your sake. He knew if you give Him thanks, if you'll keep your heart in God and on God and in everything give Him thanks, now the vain imaginations won't take you over. God doesn't love me. God isn't with me. Them people are bad down there. You know what? When you don't thank God for your wife, vain imaginations start coming in and you get darkened in your heart and she gets uglier and uglier and uglier. How many of you know I'll be thanking God for my wife every day? Look how pretty she is. Hallelujah. Amen. When you don't give God thanks for your church, Vain imaginations start coming into your heart and revelation starts leaving you. Now you're critical of everything that goes on around here. Now all you see is the bad. Now all you do is murmur and complain. Now all you do is sit there and go, well, I just don't believe they're running the service right. I just don't understand why they do things like they do down there. Running 2,500 people and you're going to sit there and judge and critique and criticize on how I do things or how so-and-so does things or how the praise is run or how this is done. Vain imaginations just taking over. Where did it start? An ungrateful heart, an unthankful heart. But it's amazing how the people sitting right next to you have obtained and maintained a thankful heart and they just see God, hallelujah. And they just see the good. And they're just happy, happy, happy. And they're so glad it's making you mad because you be so sad. <laughs> I can go into a church and if that church ain't glorifying God and they're not giving God thanks, listen, that church will be vain in their imaginations. They'll be so full of confusion about God and the kingdom and what's going on in the earth, and so lacking in revelation, it's like plowing on concrete, saints. But when I go into a church that's a church of praise, when I go into a house of praise and a house of worship, and the people are giving God thanks, I can burp, and revival breaks out, saints. <laughs> Y'all still out there? Obtaining and maintaining a thankful heart, there's more to this than us just being religious and us just getting into spiritual overkill and just walking around, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And while you're thanking Jesus, you're sticking a knife in my back, twisting and turning it. I don't want to be vain in my imagination. What will create a vain imagination and a darkened heart? Unthankfulness. I want a sound mind, a clear mind. And I want revelation. What will open the door for it? A thankful heart. Lord, thank you for victory. Thank you for those people. Thank you for the 25 or 30 that love me. Thank you, Lord, that they keep coming. Thank you for the, for the giving. 
Thank you, Lord, that they endure my warped sense of humor. Thank you, Lord. And you know what? I not only am saying it to God, I believe it in my heart. I believe it in my heart. It actually takes me a while to really look at some of the problems we have in this church because they're hard for me to see because I have a pure heart and blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Maybe if you ain't seeing God, you don't have a pure heart. Have you ever been around somebody that's got a problem and they're all ungrateful and the vain imaginations that come out of their mouth? And then you try to explain something to them about God, they can't understand a thing you're saying. No revelation. The first step to apostasy is an ungrateful heart. The first step backwards to coming to a point in your life that you are so vain in your imagination and your heart gets so darkened, you actually say with your mouth and believe with all your heart, there is no God. That's scary. How do people get to that point that they are professed atheists? How do people get to a point that they can say with their mouth, there is no God? The Bible says they knew there was a God. They didn't glorify Him as God. Neither were they thankful. So see, I'm not being thankful to impress you. I'm not being thankful to go through religious motion. I am going to obtain in everything and maintain a thankful heart because I can't live this life full of vain imaginations. I can't go to bed at night and my mind running with me what some of you think about me and what you say about me and how you feel about me and what you think about... I'm not living like that, hallelujah. I'm not living like some of you. I'm not living like some people I've tried to help. There ain't no way. I'm just going to say, thank you, Lord. And I am going to choose to look at everything that happens in this church, everything that happens in my life in the light of faith and hope and know that it don't matter what happens to me, my God is going to work it together for my good because I love Him and I'm called according to His purpose. To His purpose. Now, that's not, well, you're just spiritual. I'm just carnal. Well, you might be slow. I'll give you that. But it doesn't take a spiritual giant to understand what I'm saying and to act in it from this day forth. From this day forth. When your children create a, a strife for you, a concern for you. Has that ever happened to anybody else? You're going to have to make some choices how you're going to perceive that. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to pray? Go to, go to Philippians 4 because I've been teaching on it. Let me show you this principle now in the light of what I've been teaching you on Sunday mornings. Are you going to pray? And then are you going to choose to have hope? Or are you just going to sit and worry all day long about it? See, how you think is important. In Philippians chapter 4, I've been sharing it on Sunday mornings with you. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord when everything's going good. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord when everything works out like you thought it should. Doesn't say that, does it? Let me read it the way it was written, not the way most of us live it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Notice that when I pray and I bring a supplication to God, I submit something to God, I am to pray that prayer with what? Thanksgiving. What is the thanksgiving? The thanksgiving is my hope working with my faith. The thanksgiving is I choose to believe God hears me. I choose to believe He's for me. I choose to believe He's going to move. So I'm going to think 
and renew my mind on how I perceive this problem now. Here's the way I perceive it. I'm over it, not it over me. I'm greater than it, not it greater than me. I will prevail over it, not it prevail over me. That's thanksgiving. That's a thankful heart. That's a thankful heart. Man, you can do this every day. You better do it every day or you'll be overtook. You'll flat be overtook. Now go to Luke 24 and let me, let me give you an example of not only what you think on, but how you think is important. How you think. And how we all need renewed in how we think. How we see, how we perceive. I'm the guy that usually says, you idiot, the tent's been stolen. What are you talking about? Amen. It's like, I don't want to break down of the universe. We're camping, dude. And if you can see the stars, somebody took the tent. I'll sit and talk to people and try to help them with their problem, and they go off. I'm really on track here. I'm doing a better job than it looks like out there. But it's like, bam, they go off on all this and off on all that and off on this. And I'm going, whoa, you can't live like that. You can't think like that. And you're in control of how you think. You're in control of how you choose to look at whatever you're facing. Well, you don't understand. I'm going to die. No, you don't understand. We're all going to die. <laughs> this is how you look at it. We're all going to die. Yeah, but this problem, you're not going to win with me. You're not going to win with God. You're not going to be able to excuse yourself into an ungrateful heart in my presence or in the presence of God. You are to serve the Lord with gladness of heart. You are to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and you are to give him thanks. You are to in everything give him thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you don't do that, you're not going to get the revelation of God that is a part of you getting over and through whatever problem you have in your life. And that's what's sad. People choose to keep thinking the wrong way. Choose to quit looking the wrong way. Choose to view everything with a critical eye. Let me give you a quick illustration before I give you this, this revelation of how you think. Have you ever been around somebody, don't name any names and don't, don't nudge anybody or anything like that, but if, <laughs> have you ever been around somebody that when you meet somebody, they are guilty till proven innocent? That can happen to anybody. And if you have a lot of bad experiences in a row with people, how you perceive people can now affect your next relationship and hurt it before it even starts. Do you know how it is a discipline, a trained discipline, a developed discipline in your life to truly look at people and give them the benefit of the doubt? Give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people a chance to even prove your worst suspicions that maybe they are an idiot, but you should give them a chance. Amen. <laughs> I've been around people. Everybody's guilty till proven innocent. And the New Testament view, the New Testament way of looking at people through the eyes of, of God and through the eyes of the Word of God is that they are absolutely innocent till proven with overwhelming evidence guilty. But that's how you choose to look at people, how you choose to think. Now this revelation here in Luke 24 deals again with your perspective. And I'm going to nail some of you now that are hyper-spiritual. And don't misunderstand me, see, when I talk about being hyper-spiritual. I believe we should be spiritual. I believe we are spiritual. But there is a hyper-spiritual that people get into that actually runs people off from God 
instead of drawing people to God. And I try to give you illustrations of it, but most people don't hear me because they're mad at me before I even explain myself because they think I'm being accusatory toward them. And I never call any names. I don't understand why the guilty wants to show everybody they're the one I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen? You need to chill out about this stuff. These people are two disciples in Luke 24, and it's a familiar event because if I say it, I think everybody will know who I'm talking about. These are two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I imagine we've all heard about these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And here's what I want you to catch. They are discussing... Did I tell you to go there? I need to get there then, amen? Just needed to make sure that I told you to go there. Luke 24, these two disciples are on the road to Emmaus, and they're discussing Jesus. They're talking about godly things. They're talking about all that happened in Jerusalem. They're talking about the Bible. They're talking about the things of God. Now watch this. Jesus shows up in verse 17 and says unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are so sad? They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about what happened in Jerusalem and all the events that we rejoice over, that we celebrate over. And Jesus said, what kind of deal is going on here? Why are you so sad? So see, it's possible to even be talking about the things of God and be sad. It's possible to be thinking on the Bible and be sad. It's called the letter kills. It's the spirit that gives, gives life. It's possible, depending on how you're going to think, to come to a service like this and leave huffing and puffing mad and 90% of the people had their eternity changed and leave so excited they can't hardly stand it. And I was the same and said the same thing to the same people, but how you hear, not just what you hear, how you hear is going to affect your life. And you can be taught how to hear better than we have learned to hear in the past. Boy, y'all act like you got that one. You can hear things wrong on purpose, depending on how you think, depending on what your attitude was before you even came into the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. Ephesians 4, 22 says that you put off the old man, the old conversation which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on now the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. The way every one of us have to put the old off and put the new in is through the renewing of the spirit of our minds. Everybody say spirit of our minds. Spirit. He didn't say renew your minds. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 talk about renewing your minds. That's what you think on and you'll be transformed. Paul said you will be transformed. Paul says you'll put the old off and put the new on through the renewing of the spirit of your mind. And if you look that up in an amplified Bible, it says your mental disposition. You've got to change how you think. You got to change how you see. You got to change how you view your world now. You've got to get the Word of God in you, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and choose to see things through the eyes of hope. That's a thankful heart. A thankful heart. Jesus goes on to explain to these guys the meaning of what happened in Jerusalem and how that all these things had to come to pass. They were going, listen, Jesus, we thought he was the Messiah, and they killed him. He's dead. We come in here and we go, they killed him. Jesus is dead. Hallelujah. I think you're getting it. I'm not positive. 
Two different viewpoints of the same event. One produces death and sadness. The other produces life evermore. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to change how they're thinking. Somebody needs to change how they're hearing. Somebody needs to change how they're seeing. Do you know I shared with you out of Acts 28 how that Paul was bit by the snake and they said, A murderer! Three minutes later, a god! They changed their minds. It is such a challenge for Sue and I how that we are so hated by some people for nothing. It's how they choose to view us. It's how they choose to believe about us. And then there's other people It's like we're a God to them. And that's wrong. We're not a God. We're two human beings. Amen? We're two people with feelings like y'all got. We're two people with a life like you got. Challenges like you got. Problems like you got. But you know what? We have to choose how we're going to view even what people say about us and what people do to us. Or our hearts will get sad. Our hearts will get all out of whack. Our minds will be darkened and vain imaginations will start taking over. You know, you can choose to believe with all your heart I love you and that I am 100% for you. And you know what? If you will choose to believe that, it'll shock you at how you hear me differently. It'll shock you if you choose to believe my heart is right. When you choose to believe and listen that my heart is right, all my little things, they get so many people upset. You love it. It's just funny to you. Now, what changed? I didn't change. How you hear changes, how you see me changes, how you perceive me changes. That's why Satan would love to discredit me in your eyes. He'd love to cause you to get hurt by me or believe a lie about me because suddenly you can sit right there and I'm preaching under the anointing, sharing from my heart. You won't get a thing out of it. But you know, if you really know me and you love me and you know I love you as your pastor, it's amazing what you hear and how you're able to receive and how your life is able to be changed. Now, I probably got more of you corporately together right now over the past five minutes than we've had in a while corporately. And yet, why would we choose to go out the door and look at our problem in the light of the flesh, our natural resources, the past, and just murmur about it and bellyache it instead of looking at whatever we're facing in the light of a God that created the universe a God that raised Jesus from the dead by his right arm of power, a God that made you righteous and truly holy, a God that joined himself to you, bound himself to you, never to leave or forsake you. doesn't matter what you're facing. If you choose to view that thing in the light of the truth, you're going to have a positive attitude, hallelujah, and you're going to see the power of God. You're going to see the power of God. I want to encourage you to make some choices to discipline yourself in this area. You're going to fall short. You're going to hear yourself belly aching about something. I mean, I know that I know that I know I live this, and I know that I know that I know that I know that I know I know it. And every now and then I hear me, and because nobody else is around to do it, I slap myself. It's like, I'm not thinking right. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, I can't ignore it. But dear God, that's a piece of cake for God. And so I have to tell myself, that's a piece of cake for God. Amen? Well, if I still have to do it, you still have to do it. And if I needed this message, you needed this message. Amen. We can all improve in this. We can all grow in this. How many of you know when it rains, we don't need to bellyache about it. Somebody needed their yard watered. Everything's perspective. And I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to think in line with God. And I'm going to choose to have a thankful, grateful heart in everything. Everybody say, in everything. 
in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for me in Christ Jesus the Lord. Why don't we do that tonight? Why don't we act on our faith? Chris, would you come and minister?